0: Welcome to the Faith Cove Podcast. We are glad you're here today. May God bless you in order for you to be a blessing to those around you.
1: Once again, it's good to be with you uh, this morning. The last time I was here, about four years ago, you know, my family, you know, we rent this little over 30-inch-long RV. And then we parked, you know, in your parking lot. And then uh, we had a chance to, um, you know, share with the mission committee. So I had such a good memory, you know, know, with this church. And then uh, I don't know whether it will be helpful to you. I grew up Presbyterian all my life until, you know, (laughs) older life. So, you know, that's my background. But now I'm covenant, so... So as, I, as you hear, you know, in 2004, you NI know, and I, we were sent to China by ECC. But we weren't the first missionary ever sent. Actually, in ECC, in early, early, I don't know exactly when, but early, the first missionary we ever sent by ECC was a missionary to China, Matt Peterson. And then because of the Communist Party to go over the country in the 1950s and then 1952, some of the covenant pastors, they came back to States, but some of them decided to, go, uh, to stay in Taiwan. And then the war continued. I'll tell you a little bit more about it. We joined Shanxi Evergreen in 2007 and worked there until uh, 2020. And as you your Evergreen is a team, it's an international organization, but it's very unique because it is with multiple, uh, multi-mission agencies and multi-church denominations working together with the one person that is reaching people and community with the gospel, with the love of God. And it's such a good model so, let me give you a brief report on the work with, you know, Shanshi Evergreen. You know, many of our projects are now pretty much run by the local friends and staff now. And then some of them become official local NPO, or non-profit organizations, and continuously serve in their area. So, let me give you just a brief example of what it's like, the medical work. You know, we did medical work work more than 10 years in that area. So because of our partnerships, some of the local hospitals now, they started a rehab centers and providing physical and occupational therapy, something that they didn't provide before. And our Evergreen uh, child psychologist and also uh, trained several pediatric psychologists in one of the largest uh, children's hospitals in Taiyuan, Shanxi. Guess what now? They have uh, this own department now serving the children in the area of psychology. And then our, you know, the growing, uh, the youth camp ministry is run by 100% by local staff without any foreigner help. So the foreign people that, you know, the, we're helping is totally, you know, the volunteer status now. And then even though I don't have a video right now, the orphanage ministry that we've been, I don't know, close to uh, 20, 25 years, is now official MPO in, uh, in China addressing prevention of child abandonment and supporting families with special needs. And actually, three of our uh, Evergreen members, we adopt in the end, and some of our kids that we care for. And then I'm the, uh, we are the one, one of the family adopts from Shanxi. And then even though I don't have a, you know, the, the picture, the community the library, the family center located in the poor area, the rural area also become official MPO, and we continually serve that, comi- that community with the library and then other tutors after um, school program like that. The lastly, the family ministry that I led uh, before leaving to China is now you know, led by a Ginger, who used to be executive director for Evergreen. And um, thank you. Thank you for your prayer support for the work of Evergreen China. So we appreciate that. But now, I need to ask you, please don't stop praying for China. You know, we are aware that there has been increased uh, anti-Chinese sentiments around the world, especially in the U.S. And since now we live in Taiwan, the threats of, you know, invasion coming from China. It's a real every day. We feel it. But when I think about China, Chinese, I don't think about the, the Communist Party, right? When I think about the China, I'm thinking about Ginger. In the picture? And her uh, husband, Mr. Guo, and their children, who want to follow God in their daily life, in midst of many challenges in living in China, for example, you know because our education environment is so challenging in China, they decide to do uh, homeschooling for their children. Something you know um, you know never happened because the China government education bureau will, will never recognize homeschooling in, in China. But with the faith and listen to God, they've been doing it for a couple of years already now. And when I think about China, I think about, you know, Mr. Li. I will not mention their first name because of the security and their family, even though this young guy, he doesn't make a lot of money by leading the local family ministry as an MPO. But he has a vision to strengthen Chinese families and bring them to closer to God. Because when all these young people mostly focus on making money or status in China, but it's not like that. He want to bring glory to God, the, into the kingdom of God. When I think about China, I think about Wang Na, I'm uh, whoops, okay. Who is over 40 years old, you know, single but passionate about leading teens to Christ. When everyone says having youth camping ministry in China is difficult, but she has instead trust God in every difficulty, even in the midst of her own personal health issues that require surgery twice. And I can go on and on about those Chinese that I know who worship God, as you and me, but who in the midst, the greater challenges to their daily lives now, but keep on trusting that God is good and He will lead them. So please, please continue to pray for the churches in China and they're going through a much more uh, difficult time now than before. So pray that they will hold on to their faith and then, then you know, serving the neighborhood, the community, with the love of Christ. But in, in 2020, our family you know, moved to Taiwan to partner with the Taiwan Covenant Church. And currently, there are about um, close to 60 Taiwan Covenant Churches, in which started in 1952 when the ECC missionaries were forced to move out from China. And then some of them relocated to Taiwan. So I have a short, short uh, video that I'd like to share with you.
0: February of 1955 we landed at the port of Jilong. It was raining very hard. We were taken to the missionary house in Taipei. There were very few cars and buses, but many bicycles and pedicabs. The Taipei church met in a small building in the back February of 1955 we landed at the port of Jilong. It was raining very hard. We were taken to the missionary house in Taipei. There were very few cars and buses, but many bicycles and pedicabs. 那三五幾年的時候,台灣非常非常的貧窮。The Taipei church met in a small building in the backyard of the missionary house now at Fung Yen they had a bigger a building it was made of bamboo and mud and my father says that when the rains came uh, the mud would fall down churches like my father said were very very small and simple, but we feel that the, the Holy Spirit was already beginning to move and, and beginning to grow 但是他这一心仍然是关心的华人的宣教施工 so even at the beginning, the missionaries thought it's very, very important to have Taiwan pastor and not to be the pastors themselves. When I was small and the missionaries were here. We could not see the future. But the church has grown so much. And I think the same thing can be said right now. God has more plans, more blessings. It may be hard to see. We don't know what will happen, but He has a wonderful plan. He is going to continue to use um, Taiwan Covenant Church. 他们带着牺牲、奉献、谦卑的态度，还有开放、开明、愿意成全的身量，这七十年来影响台湾行道会，一直到现在。You
1: know, we are still learning about the unique Taiwan culture. It's only been there two years, and how the local churches are impacting their communities and people. But the, the Christian population in Taiwan still only about 6 percent. So we hope we can further with Taiwan Covenant Church to evangelize and mission to the Unriched People Group in Taiwan, if possible, to other countries. So uh, as, I, as we, our family kind of settling in Taiwan, in the learning culture, how to work with people, we really covet your prayer. And then today, the, the the title of message is called "Light of the World." There's something that um, God really uh, spoke to me. You know, this year, so I would like to share with you. You know, we live in the time which we can have lights and all any any time, right? Even this sanctuary, you have so many lights, and then not only they spotlight on me here, right? At home. You know we have a room lights, different kind of lamps, the floor lamps, even flashlights. Even nowadays, our you know cell phone has a the flashlight function, right? And we are so used to this that we don't really appreciate the light compared to the people who are lived in the ancient ancient times. You know, with the one switch or press one, you know, the finger, you know, though we can turn on the light. But did you know that there is only, there's only a little bit over 100 years ago, we start to have electricity. Not too long, right? Not too long. And before that, people depended on gas or oil or candle to light their homes. You know, my in-laws, they used to live in Central Illinois in the city called Danville. So, my wife and I, you know, we, you know, sometimes drive from Chicago to Danville, passing miles and miles of cornfields. The roads near these cornfields do not have any, you know, street lights, especially, you know, driving in the nighttime. So, when you're driving nighttime, we need it to, depending on our car's headlights only. But while driving, you know, I will sometimes we'll turn off headlights to see how dark it can be. At the same time, it's just I, I, I want to scare my wife a little bit, right? <laughs> so I will turn off and my headlights, and then just peach dark. I cannot see anything. And I need to turn on quickly headlights into a boy heading my car to the cornfield right there. At the same time, my wife will scream, you know, Peter, turn on the lights, right? So when the people listened to Jesus, when He said, I am the, the light of the world, they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. In Jesus' time, people will use olive oil to light their homes during the nighttime. But as you know, olive oil at the time is very, very expensive to common people. So they will... And then they also didn't have any lighters or matches to light the weak right away, right? So only the rich could afford to have light from this oil lamp. So therefore, when Jesus when they, people hear that I am the light of the world, these people knew the importance of the light. Not like you know, people here right now, right? At the same time, as they listened to Jesus, not only they, think, they knew the importance of the light, but at the same time, they were also thinking about the pillar of fire. That God provide for Israelites for 40 years in the desert. Now the Bible mentions in the chapter 7 that the teachers went back to Jerusalem to be part of the feast of Tabernacles or the feast of Booths for a week-long festival, to remembering the 40 years journey of Israelites in the wilderness. You know, along with the Passover and the week of uh, the fast, the fast of the weeks, the Feast of Tabernacle is one of the three great uh, pilgrimage feasts recorded in the Bible, when all the Jewish males were required to appear before the Lord in the temple in Jerusalem. So they will light up this big four torches to reminding them the pillar of fire that God provides, so to protect them and guide them in the desert for 40 years. So during the festival, they will sing and dance all night long, all night long. It was like a big Thanksgiving party for them. So in this context, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of, the light of life. So let's think about the pillar of fire in the desert for a second. What did the pillar of fire provide for the Israelites for 40 years? Okay, first, safety, the protection, right? You know, without any lights, you will be pitch dark, right? In, in desert. And in darkness, people are afraid because they cannot see. In deserts, they may hear animals, the wind sound. But they were not able to see or know if harm is coming because it's it's so dark, right? And then as you know, at night, the temperature will drop in the desert and it's a cold. And thus, the pillar of fire not only gave them the light to see, it provided the warmth they needed. So He provide a safety place for the Israelites for 40 years. And then it is just simply because of the grace of God. In deserts, there's nothing. You cannot find an olive tree. You can press and make oil and light, right? So in deserts, everything that you need to depending on God and this exactly why. Why God, God provide the pillar of fire? Not only they can receive, can but they will give the heating they require. And simply because of God's grace and mercy. And second, He provide guidance, directions, right? And whenever the pillar of fire moved, they simply just follow it. In desert, and everybody lost in desert, right? But this pillow of fire gave them the direction, guidance in desert when they didn't know where to go. You know, I'm very particular about, uh, like this part because the, one of the reasons I follow Jesus, you know, uh, in junior high, the fact that when, I, when, when, when somebody told me that when I give my life to God, I don't have to live my life by, by myself. And the Jesus can guide me. And then to me, there was such a liberating a news information for me. And here is God willing to guide me every single step of my life. And then He, he been doing it for me. And then God said, and this is God that who will guide us and guide us, especially when we feel like we are in, in this dark darkness. And the Bible says, only Jesus can give us this perfect safety and guidance, because He's the only one who is full of grace and truth. And that's why John. Chapter 1, 14 says like this. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Actually, the, the Greek word, the Greek word, the dwelt, it means it's uh, pinched a tent among you. A kind of tabernacle, kind of imagery right now here. So, the Word became a tent and then dwelt among you. And you have a sin, it's glory, like a blow of fire, the glory the glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The book of Exodus mentions that the pillar of cloud by the day, the pillar of fire uh, by night, did not depart from them for 40 years. Every single day for 40 years, God protect them and guide them. The feast of Tabernacle was not only about remembering past; so it was also the anticipation for the future, awaiting for the Messiah who could be a tangible light to the Israelites again. So when the Jesus say, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He was saying, I am the Messiah, the Savior. I am the light that you're looking for. But at the same time, furthermore, not only is Jesus claiming, claiming his, uh in a deity, but at the same time, He's saying His presence will, not, will now, always will dwell with His people, just like the pillar of fire was with them for 40 years. Next slide, please. So in our, in our own struggles through the darkness of wilderness, and Jesus will always be with us to light the way. And this is promise for us today. And then here, you know, give us perfect example how Jesus was full of grace and full of the truth with this encounter with this Woman who cut in the adultery. So let me share a little bit of this story, okay? And as I, you know, as I you know, this happened right before that Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, right? And the Jesus came to celebrate the, the feast of tabernacle and the Bible says it was a morning time. So the sun is coming up, but then probably people can see this you know, big, the, a big torch going on. And the Bible says the Pharisees and the uh, Pharisees and scribes brought this woman. So to them, this is a perfect opportunity to tempt Jesus and bring down His reputation, right? And then they ask this question, right? And then if Jesus say, oh, stone her, that means what? He doesn't have a grace. He doesn't, he's not merciful, right? But if, if Jesus say, just let her go, just let her go, then, you know, he, he has a grace and love, but then there's no truth. And you know, he gets against the law, right? So here's a Jesus kind of stuck, right? And the Bible says Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And some people suggest that Jesus wrote down the names of some scribes and Pharisees. They came at the time. And then he wrote down all the wrong things they've done. I don't know whether he did or not. But then the Bible says, this is what the, you know, the Jesus said, Let him who is without the sin among you be the first to throw the stone at her. And he went back to riding on the ground. When the people heard this, the Bible says, one by one, from older to younger, and they begin with older, until, and then they left. Um, and then Jesus also left alone with this woman. If you and me was that woman, right? How do you think we would have felt at the time? So, if I was that woman caught in adultery, right? Now I would feel I, I I got caught, right? But then, you know, these people brought me into this crowd, you know, crowds of people, right? In a huge festival going on. And then, you know, if I was, I was a that woman, I would feel, feel probably feel shame and guilt. And I kind of imagine the, the reason she started having a fair relationship because, you know, she had a, this desire to escape from the reality by having this fear. But then now, my life is over. You know, the, the, my sin now is being exposed to people, right? But then this woman, you know, after hearing what Jesus say to people, she felt comfort, not shame or guilt. You know perhaps she never had anyone on her side, never had that safe place. And perhaps she might have thought that the man who she had a fear will give her that security, the safe place while, while she was looking for all this along. But after listening to Jesus, she felt something was different with Jesus. And Jesus asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go. She never received this kind of kindness, forgiveness, and acceptance in the midst of the biggest exposure of her deepest struggle and sin. Here's a Pharisee and scribes trying to bring, you know, her so that she, they can shame, expose, and same time bring Jesus down. But same time, here's opportunity. God comforts and giving this safe place they can come in. So she felt experienced. Jesus grace and mercy and love. But this wasn't the end, right? And Jesus continued. And from now on, sin no more. And Jesus gave her direction to her life. Sin no more. He wasn't condemning, but more like a loving. Parent helping her and guiding her in love because He cares about her. Then just spoke to the crowd again. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, we really live. In the world that needs grace and truth together evermore. Kindness something that we don't often see anymore. And people are much more rude and mean. We also live in the world that people don't have true direction in their lives. And no wonder we have so many problems going on, right? But experts says people, in order to people, people to be a secure inside, they need both safety and guidance, right? So expert says people need a safe home and guidance in order to become healthy individuals. And ideally, our primary caregivers, such as our parents, should be the ones to provide the safe place where we can be who we truly are, where we don't have to be pretend to be someone else, and where we are accepted as we are. A safe place should be the place where we can be truly be known. Not, not to know, but be known, known without worrying without other people will, you know what other people think of of us, even though we did sometimes we do wrong and bad things. The safe place should be the way we can come and receive forgiveness and love acceptance. But the problem is, you know, our parents weren't perfect. They're not full of grace and mercy and balanced way. Because I know as a parent, I'm not like that. I'm not like that. I have a tendency to go in more the truth, you know, side, right? I know how much I'm lack of this mercy, grace, kindness in my life, right? But we need both, both. And the way we can get that, right? The answer is Jesus Christ. Because He's the one full of grace and mercy. He's the only one can provide the safe place and direction, guidance in our lives. But the grace without the truth is deceiving, isn't it, right? In a grace or this safe place alone is not good enough because we need guidance to grow, be challenged at, without the guidance, the direction, or challenges, we cannot become the best version of who we are. You know, if we have some bad habits that prohibit it from us becoming the best of us, you know, we need that correction, challenges, in love, right? But then, the truth without the grace is destroying. Let me repeat that. The truth without the grace is destroying. You know, a person like this, like me, (laughs) can work so hard but never feel like I'm never good enough. Not only that I feel shame and guilty and bring that so, you know, the standard high expectation to myself, but we can oppose that, you know, uh, you know, expectation to other people, right? And then you can easily become judgmental, critical, not only to yourself, to others. So we need Jesus Christ to make us balance grace and truth not because we are able, because He is able. And then all you have to do, just connect with Him and follow Him and become more like Him. And that's why Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says like this, You are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light up the lamp." Put it under the basket, but understand, it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. People cannot see Jesus, right, today, physically, right? But people can see you and me. So let's be the safe place and direction for people who are lost in darkness by being kind while at the same time being firm with the truth, especially for those where the world, the, the world considers as a lowly, you know, who, uh, who are not seen, heard, and valued. Not because, not because we have ourselves this safe place or the guidance, because but then um, it's because we have the true light, Jesus Christ, within us. As you're hearing this message, I want you kind of think about one person. One person. I don't know where you can be that presence, the presence to others can see the light. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as you know, because of the COVID and everything else going on in the U.S., we don't see much kindness and generosity anymore. But at the same time the truth that you are the light of the world hasn't changed. You are the only one that can give us the safe place that we can go especially when we feel like we are stuck when when you feel like we are in darkness not only you provide a safe place, but same time, you promise us that you will give us direction that we need. When you say like this, Father, you are lying. And I trust in you that this is the promise, Lord. We ask you once again, today, the congregation here, they will come to know that you are the God full of grace and truth, then give us the safety place and guidance that we need today. And as we experience the security that only you can give, and as our eyes are lightened up to know where to go, see the value of who we are, since you, the value this much. And I would you please continuously transforming us and changing us but same time open our eyes in those people who are struggling so that they can also see the light of Jesus Christ. And then they too be light enough, and be secure. Know the direction of their life. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Faith Cove Podcast. Our music was written, performed, and produced by Adam Johnson. For more information about our church community, visit faithcovesumner.com. Until next time!